Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Laura Briggs. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 325 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Laura's talking with Rachel Ann Dine about anxiety, high achieving personalities, and how to find a balance with it all. Today's podcast is brought to you by Termageddon, Sweet Process, Text Expander, Postali, and ESQ.marketing. We would not be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. So Stephanie, we recently wrapped up LabCon, which is our twice a year event for members of our paid coaching community and a couple of special guests usually. And of course, this is the third time we've done it virtually because the pandemic started literally right before we were about to have this in-person event in 2020 in March. So you worked really hard with all three of the events that have been virtual to make it feel as conference-like as possible. And I feel like this one was the best one yet for that experience. So can you talk a little bit about how our team looked at that and how you came up with the solution of what we did end up using as far as software and the approach to the event? Thank you. I was excited too, because it also felt like our best yet virtual event. I think that one of the challenges we've faced in a virtual world is that our conference feels very unconference-like. I always tell people, this isn't going to be someone standing at the front of the room talking at you for hours. A lot of people get freaked out when they first sign up because they're like, where's my agenda? I need to figure out my tracks and what speakers I'm going to. And yes, it always makes me laugh too, because I'm like, that's not really how this works. This is more getting in a room with other lawyers and learning from each other and workshopping and building things that you can then, you know, both ideas for your practice, but you actually build something that you can take away and use in your business right away. And so one of the challenges in a virtual world is how do you create those connections and those time for connections in Zoom or, you know, whatever platform you're using. And we had used Zoom before and we used the breakout rooms and, It was a happy medium at the time. We thought it was working great. One of the challenges we faced with it is that an administrator on Zoom, they've updated this a little bit now, but kind of has to put you in the different rooms. And one of the things we wanted to create is how could it feel like you're walking around a conference and you're jumping into a conversation or, hey, we were having a great discussion. Can we pick that up over lunch? Can we grab a room or could I grab a coach and ask a quick question? Like those little moments that happen throughout a live event are what are so special and what makes people love going to the event. And so how can you do that in a virtual room? So we were really intentional this time. We demoed some software and we picked a newer one on the block called Sling Show because it did allow us to have breakout rooms and networking tables where you could see on the screen the different size tables. You could have two tops and three tops and five tops and you could see little pictures of who was at the table or you could say, I wanna go join that table or I want to pick a random table and the software would just pop you in somewhere. So I think it allowed people really enjoyed the freedom to be able to choose where they want it to go, but then that flexibility to have small and larger conversations going. 
Yeah, I thought it worked really well. And one of the conversations we've been having within our own team is around this concept of Zoom fatigue or just the different way that you attend meetings, conferences, webinars when you are on camera as an attendee. And what was unique about this software is that unless you were at those networking tables or unless we were in the main room and you were on the stage, so to speak, you had that ability to not appear on video. So people were learning and interacting and we even had a quiet room where people could go to where they just wanted to work heads down and didn't want to have any conversations or things like that. I share that because, you know, as you're thinking about your own teams or events you're putting on or webinars you're hosting, whatever it might be, Think about that. How do people respond differently when they're on video? I know I feel a lot of pressure when I'm at an event, and even though I'm not the speaker, if I'm there in a Zoom call and my video is on, I maybe don't feel as free to do things like get up and stretch, or Aaron's talked about, well, yeah, sometimes I need to doodle or take notes, and I feel like it's going to be distracting for other people if they feel like I'm not paying attention. So those are all things to think about in this new virtual world. How do you give people that break? Because it sometimes is really tiring, especially at an event that's going all day on video. Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Donata and Hans from Termageddon, and then my conversation with Rachel. Hey, y'all. Zach here, the legal tech advisor at Lawyerist. Today, I have Hans and Donata of Termageddon with me, and we're talking about website privacy policies. Hans, Donata, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us, Zach. Happy to be here. So for those of you who don't know, Termageddon is a privacy policy generator, a terms and conditions generator, and a website disclaimer generator. But really, it might be best if I just let Hans and Donata explain it. Termageddon generates website policies, and as an attorney myself, I remember writing privacy policies in terms of service for my clients, and I remember how much of a pain that was, and that's how Termageddon came about. So we decided to automate that process, and essentially the way that it works, it's a series of questions that you would be asking your clients anyway, so figuring out what privacy laws apply to them, what their privacy practices are, what their businesses practices are, and based on on how you answer the questionnaire, we create a customized policy for you. And at that point, you would review that policy. You can make any changes, any edits that you'd like. And that policy goes to your clients. And what's really cool about Termageddon is we keep track of privacy laws and bills and regulations and cases and all kinds of changes that you can think of. And we let you know once changes occur and provide you with suggested new language to add to your policies to make sure that your clients are always up to date with the new changes. And so these policies, which are being kept track of by Termageddon, it is being initiated in a dashboard for the attorney. And then these policies are actually being embedded on the attorney's client's website, and they're getting automatically updated. They don't have to go in and re-embed or, or anything like that. These are just kind of a I don't want to say one and done, but really you just put it there and it winds up getting updated as you guys update things and as the attorney updates things. Yeah, it's a huge benefit for law firms and the clients themselves where you don't have to get your web developer involved just to 
push an update to a privacy policy. And I'm sure Donato will speak about it here shortly. But, you know, in March, Virginia just passed their privacy law. And it's broad reaching, just like all the other privacy bills and laws in the US and beyond. Constant updates to website policies are kind of expected to occur over the coming years. We're just trying to connect the dots, make it easier for lawyers to stay on top of all this stuff, and make it easier for them to pass those updates right to the client. So instead of spending hours and hours setting up alerts and sorting through hundreds of email alerts of new bills being proposed and reading through hundreds of cases every month and all of that, we let you know what's happening so you can save a lot of time there. And then in addition to the policy updates, we also send out a newsletter to our law firm partners letting you know what's happened in privacy this month so you don't have to sort through hundreds and thousands of articles to figure out what you need to know. And so if I'm an attorney in Memphis, Tennessee, let's say, and I've got a client who is selling something you know, on the internet and they're doing it through their website, they're obviously not just selling to people in Tennessee. They may be selling to somebody in Virginia. They may be selling to people in California. And so my client would need to be on top of all of these policies that are different based on which state the consumer lives in. That's right. And it goes beyond just selling. If you have a website with a contact form where you're asking for as little as a name or an email address, that's the moment a business could be collecting personal information from a people across state lines. So that's the craziness of these privacy laws and how broad reaching they are. You don't necessarily have to be located in California for California's privacy laws to apply to you. And the coolest thing about Termageddon, in my opinion, is our law firm partner program where we give all law firms that are interested in our product a free license forever. And we do that in the hopes that they test out our product and validate that it's as comprehensive as we claim it to be. And if you do like it, you can use it for your own website. You can add a disclaimer to your own website. I can't tell you how many law firm websites we see that don't even have a disclaimer. It's a wonderful way to test out our product. And we do that in the hopes that you like it enough to want to start talking about privacy policies with your clients. Well, and so it's something that, like you said, all attorneys definitely need, but they get to kind of see how it's working and almost test it out on themselves. And at the same time, if you've got a website, you're an attorney, and it's out there on the World Wide Web, somebody in another state may be coming and interacting with it. And so it is definitely important for attorneys themselves to stay on top of these privacy issues and terms issues and disclaimers and things like that. I think that's extremely helpful. Absolutely. And I think as an attorney myself, I would never use something that creates a policy for my client without trying it out myself and making sure that it's good and making sure that it's as comprehensive as I would like it to be. So that's why we provide the free license so that you can feel confident about the product that you're using. Right. And Donati, you're you're a certified information privacy professional, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Also the vice chair of the American Bar Association's e-privacy committee and the chair of the Chicago chapter of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. So I've been practicing in this area for about five years now. And part of, or I guess the main part of my job is keeping track of privacy bills and updates to regulations and all of that. And those updates come pretty frequently. So just a couple of weeks ago, California as Attorney General approved new regulations for the California Consumer Privacy Act. So we let you know when all of these changes take place, and especially changes that affect privacy policies. But we also let you know of changes that don't necessarily affect privacy policies, but still affect your clients and their privacy practices. I think that would be helpful for pretty much any attorney to have. And <laughs> if people want to know more, they can go to termageddon.com. And I'm going to spell that. That's T-E-R-M. A-G-E-D-D-O-N 
www.lawfirmpartners.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to find Law Firm Partners, and you can receive your free license and test this out and use it on your own website. Hans and Donata, thank you once again for coming and talking to me about this. Thank you so much for having us. Looking forward to the next time. Thanks, guys. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Rachel Ann Dine. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Virginia and in Florida. I have been in the mental health field since about 2005. My specialty population is high achieving type A perfectionistic women, and I try to help you find more balance in life. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a hot topic. I feel like there's so much we could go into here, but let's just talk about the state of anxiety in 2021. Obviously has not been an easy year for anyone all over the world. You know, we hear about anxiety. We know people who have anxiety. What does that look like on the landscape as a whole right now? Most definitely. I mean, Laura, this has been such a past year and a half for everyone. The changes that we have had to go through, the navigation, it is right for the picking when it comes to symptoms of anxiety being exacerbated. In fact, even if you have never really identified as having anxiety prior to 2020, I've heard so many women talk about how their symptoms have become so much more prevalent and they've even noticed that they developed anxiety because of this year. So when I think about anxiety, because sometimes we hear it a lot, we hear I'm so anxious, I had a panic attack, all of these things, but really kind of teasing it out, what anxiety at its core is, is essentially thought rumination, not being able to turn off those generalized worries that start to spread over multiple aspects of life really can cause a lot of stress and overwhelm for some people. They can become paralyzed, but then we've got my favorite, the high achievers and the perfectionists, and it can kick you into overdrive and just perpetuate that cycle of perfectionism. So then just really quickly to touch on panic disorder. So when I think about panic disorder, if you've ever had a panic attack and you're tuning in today, you already know exactly what I'm talking about, but it honestly can almost feel like a heart attack. Your breathing gets very short. Sometimes people kind of enter into tunnel vision, dizziness, feeling lightheaded. If you are and have been experiencing panic, I highly recommend seeking out therapy. I know, Laura, we're going to talk all about different strategies, but just right off the get-go, there is no shame in getting plugged into therapy and learning some anxiety de-escalation strategies, all of that good stuff. But yes, anxiety has been so prevalent and rightfully so just with everything that we have gone through. Defining that is really helpful because I think one of the things that can be really hard is you can feel mixed emotions. And especially with everything that's gone on in the world recently, it's hard to parse them out. What's coming from what? So what is situational stress? What is overwhelmed because there's a lot on a person's plate? What is just general nerves about a situation or event that's coming up that you have some light anxiety about? It sounds like that 
constant rumination of thoughts is really the key of where this has elevated beyond sort of an isolated incident. But panic attacks, can they be an isolated incident that might clue you into there's being anxiety under the surface? Or is it always kind of in connection to underlying anxiety? So that's such a great question. And it's an interesting one that you brought up. I think the first piece that I have to go back and comment on is some of the work that I even do is to first, you have someone come to you and they state, I'm feeling really anxious. And so my first go-to, and this is what I would even encourage listeners to do, is assess what are the triggers for the anxiety? When do I notice my shoulders getting tight, my heart starting to beat at a more rapid rate? Because sometimes when life gets stressful, when we're even watching the news too much, you can leave that feeling or, you know, I know for your population that may be tuning in, you have a difficult case that you're working and the migration to being fully online for many lawyers right now, it can be very unknown in terms of what that root cause is. And so that's the first piece is just getting connected with those triggers. And sometimes if you are a high achiever and you are just a busy, 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 let me do more, do more kind of person. It can be so easy throughout the day to squash that little pang that rises up. That's telling you, okay, wait a second. This is causing me more stress than what I realized. Let me slow it down, do some breathing, even make a cup of tea. Maybe tonight I just tell my husband, hey, dinner, you got to figure it out because I need to take a break asking for help all of the above. But then you also mentioned with the panic. So 100%, if you're having a panic attack, it is the biggest indication, hey, we're there. We are in the midst of major anxiety. It's gotten to the point, either it's been unaddressed or ignored that now the body cannot contain it any longer. And it's going to come out in that attack. So Certainly on that day-to-day level, just assessing yourself, staying very self-aware and conscious of people, places, and things that you are interacting with that feel stressful and listening to your body and the cues that it may be giving you. That's such helpful advice. I've wondered in this whole situation in the world, especially with the pandemic that has gone on, I think a lot longer than most of us ever thought, you know, when, when quarantine started and we were like, oh, this is a two week thing. I've wondered, (laughs) (laughs) is it easy to get into a cycle where anxiety and overwhelm are the new normal? And habitually, how do you break out of that? I mean, we had just so much turbulence, you know, there were riots and people speaking out, we had a major election, like it just feels like it's been an onslaught. I've just wondered if you might have gotten into that rut of, okay, this is now my new normal. I just have a like low grade anxiety to high grade anxiety that peaks and, you know, ebbs throughout the day. How do you start to break out of that? Yes, that is so good. I'm just over here nodding my head right now because (laughs) that has been par for the course. I mean, every time you turn around, there's something going on. It's interesting because every human being has a different threshold for anxiety where Some people feel it so often that it really does start to become how they feel on a daily basis. And that can be a really slippery slope because if you're always running on that high anxiety level, the anxiety has to go somewhere. And if left, I don't want to say undiagnosed or untreated, but I guess undiagnosed or untreated, it will eventually escalate. And so to speak on 
figuring out what the new normal is, yes. I think it's understanding too, and this is the realist in me, there are always going to be times in life where it is so much more high stress than others. I mean, I can speak to that personally where there's five different projects going on. I just know for this two-week period, I need to go ahead and really manage what am I eating, how much sleep am I getting, and how much am I moving my body, almost preemptively planning out for those higher stress times, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good thing to bring up because it is going to be different based on different seasons in your life. Again, it goes back to that self-awareness of, is this something that's becoming a consistent pattern for me? Or is it just that I'm in a heavy work period? I think a lot of lawyers can identify with that if they have a sudden influx of clients or if they are working on a big case or a case they thought would be simple is going on longer and has become more complicated. But you want to be careful of that kind of stretching beyond that period. So do you do kind of like a mental check-in with yourself at the end of the, say, two weeks when you thought this was going to finish? I mean, I feel like, I know for me anyways... (laughs) I I feel like sometimes it's so easy to get into that phase and just stay there, right? And that that feels like the fast track to burnout, like if you just constantly stay in that state. So can you recommend some like pattern disruptors to make sure that you are checking in with yourself after that period and building in that time to kind of slow down and ease away from it? Most definitely. So I validate 100% what you just said, that no one essentially can run at 99% all of the time. And we have to be really careful about how much we're taking on on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and staying really in tune. I keep going back to how your body feels, but the body doesn't lie. So when the mind is stressed, the body will always follow. And that's when our immune system can become weakened. So the kind of thought process, natural disruptors, or just thought pattern disruptors that I like to think about. So there's one specific strategy that's called walking the middle line. This is a form of dialectical behavioral therapy. I love it because it just really suits my pragmatic thinking. But essentially, when I encourage folks to walk that middle line, because when anxiety enters the scene, oftentimes we can start living in our emotional self. So we start worrying about the future. What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? Did I say something stupid today? And then from there, you're going down a dark rabbit trail of emotion and getting stuck. Sometimes that's when the depression enters the scene because it goes from anxiety to then self-deprecation and, oh, I'm a failure and I'm an idiot. You know, all that negative self-talk that can pop up. So the first step is to notice where are my thoughts going? Am I being too rooted on the emotional side? Because that's when it's harder to come back once we get lost in the emotions. And this is me going on a tangent really quickly, but that's why I always like to go back to what I call those three pillars. And that truly is how much am I eating? How much am I sleeping? And how much bodily movement am I getting? Because when we're feeling overly emotional or even exhausted, when we're tired, our body gets highly emotional. So always attend to those things. 
but getting back to walking the middle line. So if you find that you're in that emotional state, we got to bring it right on back between logical and emotional thinking. Now, if we stay too rooted in the logical side of things, then we don't give enough attention to the emotions. Emotions are powerful. Emotions are very important. Our emotions can guide us. Let's say you do have a difficult interaction with someone and you walk away and think, geez, that's something to pay attention to because that person and you, maybe there's something not flowing right. Maybe something needs to be addressed. So emotions don't always have to be negative. They can be our call markers or things to pay attention to. But like I was saying, with the logical thinking, if we get too far into that and don't pay attention, it starts to almost become like a pot on simmer on the stove. (laughs) Your emotions will eventually enter the scene and boil over. So it's getting right back into the middle line, paying attention to those thoughts that you are having on a daily basis. I hope it doesn't sound overwhelming. It's a really a truly check-in with yourself on thinking, body, behavior, all of the above. And I feel like these three things that you mentioned, the three pillars, are all the more important now because you may not have those other support mechanisms that might have helped you process anxiety or stressful situations or diminish the impact of the anxiety. So pre-pandemic, going out with friends, having birthday parties, going to go get a massage, you know, doing a group exercise class. I know for me, I took a dance class on Wednesday nights and it was like the highlight of my week getting to go and do that. And then all of a sudden, all of that was taken away. And now all of your support systems have to happen within the walls of your own home and everything is virtual. So those three pillars they're almost easier to blow off when everything is normal, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't really need to exercise. Like I'm having lunch with my favorite friend tomorrow. We're going to decompress. That's going to make me feel whole again. But when, when we're in this other kind of flipped upside down world, it feels like you cannot afford to ignore those things right now. You just can't because we don't have as many choices as we used to. They seem super basic, but oftentimes the first thing to go when you feel anxious or on edge is your sleep because you're thinking about everything that's going on. And that's where I'm sure that most everyone has heard of bullet journaling, but that's one of my go-tos because if you're anything like me, I am constantly on the go. I've got my hand in a million different things. I don't necessarily have time to sit down and journal out pages and pages, but if I just can put it out on paper, anxious, okay, what's causing me to feel anxious, this meeting, what is it about this meeting? And just putting a couple key phrases that may be going on just to get it out of your brain and on paper. The other piece is if at night you find that your sleep is getting disrupted because you're having all those anxious thoughts, have you made a to-do list? Once again, I'm all about going back to the basics, but these are the things that start to go and we lose sight of them when we're stressed out. But truly writing it out and no matter how detailed you want it to be, any little thing, call this person, send the email, just to really start to organize in your mind. But Laura, you're exactly right. You know, the three pillars, they are the first things to go or you're stressed. And I've seen the flip side of this. So when you're working at home, I have also heard that a lot more people are just staying rooted at their desk because we're so connected to electronics. So then lunch is getting skipped or you're so starving that you order a pizza, which is fine. I'm not a restricted person by any means, but when you go all day and you don't eat and then you order something, 
heavy carbs, they make you feel bad, even though it's one of my favorites, but it's all interconnected, mind, body, wellness. That's always how I like to view it. Oh, that is so powerful. And I feel like the sleep thing, we all blow it off. And it's usually, sometimes you can even be intentional about it. Like, well, I have a lot of work going on. So I'm going to cut from nine or eight hours down to five for a while and just deal with it. But I've noticed you can also get into this cycle where you can't sleep. And then your anxiety over not having slept the night before keeps you up the following night. So you're like, Mm -hmm. how do I get out of this cycle of not being able to sleep? This is so important. It is. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about how to cope with anxiety. Support for today's episode comes from Sweet Process. Sweet Process is software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. It makes it easy for management, managers, and their ground-level employees to collaborate on and continuously improve these documents together. Sweet Process becomes the one source of truth, the one place where every employee regardless of their role or team in the company, can go to find information on how work is done. Sweet Process makes it easy to train new and existing employees because your documented procedures are already in Sweet Process. So, when employees are getting tasks done, the instructions are right in front of them. Sweet Process offers a 14-day free trial, but by using our dedicated sign-up link, you can extend that to 28 days. Just visit www.sweetprocess.com forward slash lawyerist to sign up now. No credit card is required. Support for today's broadcast comes from Text Expander. Work smarter, not harder, with Text Expander. Text Expander helps you work faster and smarter so you can focus your time on your most important work. With just a few keystrokes, Text Expander keeps you consistent, accurate, and working efficiently. Speed through emails, expand forms with fill-in-the-blank fields using a quick abbreviation. Use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. Get your message right every time by expanding content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with a few keystrokes. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Support for today's broadcast comes from Postali. Building the next powerhouse law firm takes hard work and an entrepreneurial spirit. But some skills escape even the savviest of attorneys. To reach new heights in your legal practice, you need a genuine marketing partner, one that tells you where you are now and where your firm could go. Postali works with law firms nationwide, and their trademarked marketing fiduciary services sets them apart from every other vendor that's cold calling or flooding your inbox. Whether it's informal guidance about things you can do today or a big-picture approach to law firm expansion, Postali is perfect for business-minded attorneys with an eye on the future. No matter where you are in your journey, Postali is the full-service, strategic marketing partner that grows with your firm. To learn more about the services Postali offers, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist and reach out for a free consultation. Support for today's episode comes from ESQ.marketing, an agency that provides successful SEO strategies for every stage of your practice. You will work with experts in legal marketing. All of their intense focus is on helping attorneys generate more clients and cases from the internet. They don't work with anyone else. You'll breathe easy with low-risk, month-to-month contracts. There are no long-term commitments. ESQ Marketing earns the right to work for your firm each and every month. Best of all, 
you'll get direct access to the person working on your account. No account managers to deal with, no lost in translation with your requests. To see if you're a fit, visit esq.marketing forward slash lawyerist to get started. Okay, so I know at the beginning you mentioned in your bio this connection between anxiety and high achievement. Can you dig a little bit into that? I know that's your specialty. It sounds like those two things are pretty closely connected or can be. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, you got it. It's one of my favorite topics. So high achieving, perfectionistic, and type A personality folks, all three of those things oftentimes go hand in hand. And so much of the time, anxiety is driven by perfectionism. We set these unrealistic or unattainable goals for ourselves on how we should behave, how an outcome should be. And then when it doesn't happen, because we all know that perfectionism is a myth, it can be such a letdown and that's when the negative thoughts of self start and then we try to set the next big goal and place more pressure to be perfect or to do more or be more. And then before you know it, it just becomes that ongoing cycle that can be really hard to break. Now, here is the other piece of perfectionism. So this is what I call the light, dark side of perfectionism. When you're a perfectionist or a high achiever, it is often so reinforced in life because guess what? (laughs) High achievers achieve a lot. We write books, we have podcasts, we have successful businesses. People look up to us, we're helpers, we're nurturers. But before you know it, it can be all that reinforcement. It starts to become too much. And then one day it's almost like you wake up, you say, whoa, I don't even have time for myself. And so that's where we've got to keep an eye on if you identify as being a high achiever is what I have going on on my plate right now. Is it too much? And then what's my why? Who am I doing this for? Am I finding my own sense of satisfaction out of having my hand in so many different pots or at the end of the day, am I just exhausted, drained, and I don't have anything left to give to the most important people in my life, whether it's your best friend, your spouse, or your kids, or even you. So I hope that that kind of helps give a little bit more insight into the link between the cycle that can occur with anxiety and perfectionism, and then just how high achieving the mentality really gets reinforced in our culture. Mm, That makes so much sense. It becomes a part of your identity Yes, where if you slow down, then people are really concerned because you never slow down and you're always the person who's producing a lot. And so- there's internal pressure already, but sometimes there can also be external pressure. And it can it can be hard to rationalize either with yourself or with other people in your immediate circle that you are now in a season where it needs to slow down and you can't run at that pace all the time, just like you were talking about earlier. Yes. One of the big challenges right now is that so many people are just dealing with so much more being put on their plate, particularly if they have older parents that they're concerned about aging and the impacts of the pandemic and their health. And then there's kids and all the chaos that's going on with virtual school and spouses that may have new working arrangements or new jobs, whatever that might be. How do you adapt when it's just a fact that there's more on your plate? I mean, are there proactive things you can do knowing that there's going to be a 
pretty big section of your life that's uncertain, at least for the near future? Most definitely. What a great question. A couple different things come to my mind. The first is, and I will definitely support what you (laughs) said, you know, not only are we in a pandemic in terms of health, it's also a mental health pandemic. I mean, this has been a year of stress. So even for me personally and running my business, there are so many people reaching out and I'm so grateful for that. But we have to remember that we are just one person. You can only do so much as one human being. And so whether you make that your mantra, I am just one person or I'm human because humans are fallible. We are going to make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect. And we're definitely not robots who are unfeeling and unthinking. I think about just in this pandemic, not only are we going through social justice issues and political issues, the pandemic, But on top of that, now you're dealing with your own personal stuff. Maybe you've lost someone or like you were saying, job changes or childcare. It's so much. And so to go back to that self-soothing statement of remembering, I am just one person. I can only handle a certain amount. But then the other, and this is me kind of just veering a little bit to the right, but the antidote to overcoming, if we're getting into that perfectionistic thinking or even anxiety in general, is to create joy. And your creation of joy in this time period right now may look differently. However, maybe this is the time where you've always wanted to crochet or you want to get really involved into watercolors or art, or you want to finally start bike riding. This is the time to find something where you feel a sense of joy that does not involve your work or any kind of doing type task. It's all about what is going to bring you and you alone that sense of joy and satisfaction. It's not selfish to say no. It's okay to set boundaries and be assertive with what you want. I think that that is a common struggle amongst women even because inherently and biologically, we are nurturers. That's just kind of goes way back to caveman and cavewoman days. You know, we took care of the kids and stayed in the house and cooked and all that. That isn't how it is anymore, thankfully, you know, (laughs) but we're still having to balance that ability to say no to the person, place, or thing that's just going to add on another obligation that is going to create more of that anxiety or that angst within. I like that idea of creating joy so much because probably for a lot of the high achieving personalities, because that's such a rooted part of your identity, it's very easy to add on more things that do involve you doing, do involve you completing projects and doing work and things like that. And it's very easy to do that at the expense of the things in your life that are kind of there just specifically for joy. Yes, I agree. Definitely. And if you do identify as A perfectionist, I would highly recommend Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfections. It's life-changing. There's 10 guideposts to kind of help guide you into a different mindset and a different way of thinking. But I do want to just validate, I mean, if in this period of time you have felt just more stressed out than you ever have, more anxious, more depressed, you've noticed the sadness has been lingering. I mean, we're in these months where the sun is not fully coming out quite yet. So 
don't hesitate to reach out to someone. One of my favorite resources for finding an area therapist near you is www.psychologytoday.com. You just type in your zip code. There's a nice tidy little list of area therapists, pictures, biographies. If you want to use your health insurance benefits, you can screen that out. But now it's the time. There's no shame in asking for help. Maybe that's part of your self-care kickoff journey is just to create an hour of time that's dedicated to you to speak to a mental health professional that can kind of just be your support and give you strategies that are individualized. So I just had to throw that in there, Laura, because I think it's so important to take the pressure off yourself that you have to do it all alone. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com community lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.